0: Welcome to Book Rising, a podcast by the Radical Books Collective.
1: I'm happy to be ushering us into the next portion of this wonderful program um, and to celebrate another recent publication of Palestinian literature in English translation. have a copy of the first book here with me, but but not the second yet. Um, but for those who don't know me, I'm Meg Ehrenberg, uh, joining from Philadelphia uh, in my capacity as managing director at the Radical Books Collective, but also as a translator myself, um, not from Arabic, but, uh, but always delighted for conversations about translation and with fellow translators. Um, so, uh, we're happy to have Marcia Links-Queli back, who um, again is founding editor of Arab Lit and Arab Lit Quarterly, but here particularly as translator of this new young adult series, Thunderbird, by Sonia Nimmer. And uh, we're lucky also to have the author herself. Um, Sonia Nimmer is a Palestinian writer, storyteller, oral historian, and a professor of philosophy and cultural studies. As well as being a translator in her own right. Um, She's published more than two dozen books for children and young adults, has won many literary awards, and has been nominated for several international prizes including the Astrid Lindgren and the Hans Christian Andersen Awards. So I I want us to get a chance to talk about the Thunderbird series itself, but I thought since we're kind of shifting genres here and, and moving away from poetry that we could start just with a little bit of background with regards to Palestinian children's and young adult fiction, generally. Um, and I'm curious if this is an established genre in Arabic, if there are set conventions and readerly expectations uh, that go along with, with this kind of literature for young people, um, generally in the Arabic-speaking world, but also particularly in Palestine.
2: I mean, I, I have an answer. I, I'd be more interested to hear what Sonia has to say. But uh, but um, I, I would say that in, in Arabic, there for a long time, there was not this this defined genre of, of young adult literature. And teenagers, young people, you read maybe like a specific a cadre of books, and you know, many people talk about growing up reading. For instance, Ahmed Khalid Alfi, Il um, Farouq. You know, um, this pocket novel series, this genre literature, horror, etc. But they weren't specifically marketed as young adult literature. They were just, you know, sort of pop literature, maybe. Um, scholars talk about things undergoing, starting to undergo a change about 2000. And that in in the world of, of children's, I mean, obviously, so picture books have been a thing for much longer, but to, specifically about um, young, this genre of young adult literature, specifically for literature for teens and teens, um, that it, you know, developed as a genre more recently. Um, I personally didn't come to it until about 2010, which was when Fatma Sharifuddin published Fatin. There were... Or, novels that came out before that, but that was the first one I stumbled across. Um, and, and you know, since then it's been growing a lot with a number of prizes uh, centering, um, you know, literature for teens. I mean, it's growing, undergoing, I think a lot of growing pains. And I would mm-hmm. say that in terms of conventions and expectations, it's a lot less than in English. If you approach, an US or UK editor saying this is a YA novel, they have like a very strong list of expectations about what that means. Mm-hmm. The, character cannot, the character must remain a kid throughout the, the book. The, the, the main character must be slightly um older than the, the um than the the target readership, unless that character is like a dragon or something, and then they can whatever it is. um you know, they're just like a very strict list of of expectations for, for what it can be. Whereas in Arabic, I, I find that it's it's st- it's still a genre that's in the process of of being defined by by authors and and readers.
0: Yeah, I think um, also um, the prizes like it is a shed a light more on. and it became more. Mm um available and uh, more productive after uh, all these arabic uh, prizes uh, i think the first one was in 2013 uh, which after that uh, people became more interested in reading and writing for young adults
2: yeah i i absolutely uh, um nura uh, won that first one in in 2013 and and after that, there was a lot more attention. Sort of before that, I think, you know, there just was not a lot of critical attention paid to, and, and even though like Ahmed Khalil Taufit might've written a lot of books that were really popular with teens, it, there was no taking it seriously. This is you know, yes. sort of changed a little bit.
0: Yeah, yeah. But it is becoming more um, um, widely read uh, and people are starting to look for them, actually, um, mm-hmm. these days, simply also because um, young adults used to read translated books from mainly from English, mm-hmm. which wasn't satisfying. It wasn't something to go with their culture. Um, and some, OK, they enjoyed them, I'm sure. But somehow they were looking for something to voice their own culture. um and, and they're becoming more aware of it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know about what it's like in Palestine, but for I feel like for a while in Cairo, every bookstore I went to, there were translations of Diary of a Wimpy Kid. You know, um, mm-hmm. and you know, of course, Harry Potter is like omnipresent. Um, yeah.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: So here, so here we have something that that um, Palestinian children can recognize themselves in um differently than something like Harry Potter, certainly. Um Sonia, could you tell us something about the origin of the series and where the idea for the story came from? Um we're we're launching today the second, but I but I understand it's a trilogy, right? So there'll be a third.
0: Yeah, yeah. it is. Mm. Um Actually, the whole idea came to my mind from the Phoenix um, uh, once upon a time I used to work at the Ministry of um, Tourism and archaeology and um, Phoenix came a lot um, uh, in, in our archaeological artifacts, like jars, plates, etc, cetera, etc cetera. and th- I think this is somehow where I felt that the phoenix had a symbolism to Palestinians that has been used later um, to symbolize perhaps the Palestinian steadfastness and being at their occupation, so many occupations through history. And they came, um, they're still alive, and they're still here. Uh, So perhaps this is where the the idea came from. but also um, the idea. I felt that I needed to have a thirteen-year-old girl to be the heroine of the books, because, as you mentioned earlier, Harry Potter is is, is there is always this male, white, European or American mm-hmm. person who saves the world. Mm-hmm. So, so my idea was that why not the Palestinian to save the world? You expect um, me to talk more. What's that? You expect me to talk more?
1: No, that's great, unless you had you had more to say. No. I can I had a question also for Marcia. Um, just to hear you talk a little bit about your experience of translating this this series, um, but also, you know, young adult literature in general. I know, um, I know from uh from your own podcast that you involved your your own son in the project which i would love to hear more about um but but also if there were specific translation challenges with these with these books or with with um addressing literature to this particular audience
2: yeah i mean i would force him to come in right now but he's he's at his friend's birthday party right now so he's not <laughs> Not at the apartment at the moment. But um, yeah, I, I mean, so I kind of fell into translating this being my specialization works for teens and tweens because like many people, I as an adult enjoy reading these books. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I actually meant to say earlier too that I have I've found that you know, there are many of the readers of Arabic YI are teens, but there also is a, a fandom of, of of adults too who like these kind of, you know, fast paced, um, exciting, accessible narratives, um, these fun stories. Um, in terms of particular challenges uh, for for this series, um, one of them is is that Nudist traveling. Back through time. And she is engaging um, characters and times and places that have resonance with with kids who are reading it in Arabic, right? Um, uh, Whereas for the English language reader who comes in maybe not knowing any of the history um, of any early Islamic history, any any history of, of this area at all, the names don't have the same meaning. So I was thinking of it like, um, and I used to feel frustrated with Doctor Who. Like he can travel through all of time and space and he sees Agatha Christie like three times and he keeps, tra- you know, Winston Churchill, like they go 10 times back in time to talk to Winston Churchill, but because this is sort of the the easily accessible universe for the English language viewer, right? Um so, uh, so it, you know, it, uh, so I understand that, you know, if, if Dr. Who was to travel back in time, um, to the Mamluk period or something, it, you know, it would require more context for, for the reader. So I think that is like, um, the challenge is to mm-hmm. create, um, a way in which, you know, the, the child reader can see maybe in part through Noor's eyes, like how, excited she is to see these particular people, um, how, you know, how important these these moments are um, without necessarily, you know, it's not like, oh, I went back in time and I saw George Washington. Well, immediately you understand from like a U.S. context, for instance, oh, George Washington, he was like a big deal. He was, you know, like him or hate him, you know who he is. Um, but these characters, she travels back in time and she understands, you know, it's, it's important for her, but the English language readers doesn't have that sort of apparatus around them.
1: Right. But she's also not hugely knowledgeable about these periods of time that she's traveling back to, right? No, he's, he's
2: he's he's three. Book, three, book three, I oh, think he. is the one where, um, that's, I think the biggest
0: challenge. Sonia can talk about it. Okay, um, the problem is um, when I mention some names in my books, they are familiar in, in Palestine, they are familiar in the Arab world, and even they're familiar in Muslim world. I mean, everybody knows the Muslim Al-Aqsa, everybody knows the Caliph so-and-so, and the leader so-and-so in the in the Islamic and Arabic history. Um, so I did not need to explain who they are. Um, and as Marsha said, Um, I found it very difficult. We've been talking back and forth with Marsha. Do I need to explain more who these people are because Mm -hmm. they are not known in the Western world. Um, And uh, it is difficult again in in a novel to put footnotes and explain who these people are. So it it was very difficult um, to do this. So I, I I would add perhaps one or more two sentences a little bit in the novel to explain who these people are, which I'm thinking to do, uh, rather than footnoting them or trying to explain to the Western Western audience, especially in, in book three, uh, where I mention in Arab world, big names. They're really big names in the, the history of the Arab world, but they're unknown for a Western audience. But on the other hand, they are learning about new culture anyway. So uh, even if I don't go too much into explaining, the whole idea is that she got excited to meet these leaders. At least the the reader will know that these leaders are important in our history. And on the other hand, I did not put my own point of view about these leaders. I mean, some of them I don't like, to be honest with you, in our Mm -hmm. history. But... um, I, I was I'm trying to be partial when I talked about them, because I'm talking about the period in history, which is very important, uh, at least in, in Palestine and the Arab world and the in Islamic world in general. But um, on the other hand, it is a small piece in the first in the third book, because and then I moved on to create a whole new world, which is, you know, makes the reader forget the, the first section, if you like, or gets drawn into a different kind of uh, adventure. Mm-hmm. um So somehow I felt that even mentioning these names, it's not going to stick in, a lot in, in the minds because they will be interested to know how the story is going.
2: Yeah, that's true. we There are so many made-up creatures in, in Book 3 that... Uh, I don't think that they'll stall out if they don't know some historical figures. I somehow feel
1: also, having read the first two books, that by now we're we're already in love with Noor, right? So we're gonna follow her wherever she goes. <laughs> you know, whatever whatever it is that she's excited about, we'll we'll go there with her. Um, and maybe right. it sparks some interest um, for for readers for whom this is you know really unfamiliar historical.
0: So um, in the third book, I just, it was outlandish and haywire and, um, and uh, completely new worlds and completely new creatures. Um, so I think um, I went over the top uh, with it, but I, I like it. I enjoyed writing it, actually. It's
1: fun. It's a lot of fun. But Marsha, I'm curious, to, just to go back to, to Raphael's involvement. I mean, was this part of what he was doing, consultant on what, what is too
2: unfamiliar? Or what 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 kind of role did he play in the process? Absolutely. So um, Raphael doesn't only work for me. Raphael also works for Savad. <laughs> um, uh, he consults a lot on um, dialogue. Mm-hmm. So d- does this sound... I-, I sometimes read a book and I think... Uh, the author slash translator was sound, trying to sound like a young person and instead they sound corny. Um, uh, you know, yes. And um, just generally any, you know, I, I ask him like any editor I would ask, if, if, if did you stumble over a sentence? Put a comment in, um, is anything confusing? Put a comment in, you know, he doesn't, for instance, Tell me where a comma should go or something. <laughs> yes, he, uh, he, he's there to kind of reflect back at me, a, a first reader's impression.
0: Yeah.
1: I wonder if we could talk a little bit, sort of thinking back to the theme of the very first conversation we had about um, the challenges around publishing translations of Palestinian literature and whether there are particular challenges to um, to this genre, to, to publishing YA books. I mean, you can imagine that maybe publishers would feel that they're somehow steering clear of politics, that this is kind of a safe zone. <laughs> you know, it's just kids and not ki- or, or on the other hand, that, that books targeting children are particularly sensitive. Um, um, and, and as you've said, Sonia, you know, the Thunderbird series is a time traveling Series. So we're getting a lot of history here, and and even in the present, there are scenes, there are encounters with Israeli soldiers, at checkpoints, and so forth. So I'm just wondering if you ran into challenges um, related to any of that with this with this series when when seeking publishers or or in the editing process.
2: So I mean. Um... We've been lucky to work with sort of small publishers for for this uh, book, so um, for this series and and for the other um, for the other book um, and I think they you know um, dena is is iranian american and and Michelle is Palestinian. and I think you know they've been extremely respectful of of these books uh you know as i said before when you're when you're pitching it's sometimes difficult if somebody ghosts you what is the reason for that what can you put that down to to me some of the you know some so when looking at um Palestinian literature and say secondary school curriculums which i spent some time doing it is all this um multiple narratives what can we put in a narrative alongside an Israeli story? Mm -hmm. So um, I couldn't find any teachers online talking about teaching Palestinian literature in the classroom um, as Palestinian literature. And then also was really, I I don't know where I put this quote at the moment, but, you know, some of it was really, um, I don't know, it's it's clearly so difficult. You know, there's one uh, Palestinian educator who wrote a long piece about how no matter what she does to put strong research to her curriculum and, and to t- take care that it's, you know, whatever, fair and balanced or whatever, as if a literature curriculum, that's what it's for. But, um, you know, she says, you know, she's attacked from, from um, you know, from sort of parents' interest groups, etc. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think, It's not from the publisher end, but then people have difficulty reviewing and engaging, particularly this book, versus Wondrous Journeys, I think, was easier. It was um, an imaginary, you know, historical period. She traveled all around. This is very specifically Palestinian. Um, And people have told me, um, no, I would prefer to work with Wondrous Journeys. This one... And then maybe that can be the gateway through which people get to Thunderbird. Thunderbird is too is harder. There's a checkpoint and there's a. Um, so I think writing about it for people and engaging it, reviewing it, is more difficult.
0: Yeah, scarier. This is the part where I hate to talk about actually, because I mean. When they have Israeli books or Jewish books, they never ask for a Palestinian narrative. Yeah. I don't know why the world is scared of Palestinians. Um, what we have is people under occupation, so it is natural and it's normal to talk about occupation, and occupation everywhere in the world is really bad. Now the whole world is standing on their feet because of Ukraine, um, which is... Okay, I mean, we are against occupation anywhere in the world. Why, when it comes to Palestinians, you have always to put the narrative of the Israelis? This is one of the, I mean, I'm, as a writer, tired of defending myself all the time. (laughs) And we are tired of always explaining to the world and being, because I heard the first session, Marsha, and the whole idea is we are tiptoeing around the world. We're scared. And we are are afraid to talk about our narrative freely simply because the world says, oh, you're a Palestinian, so um, you have to put the Israeli... Why? Why should I always be on the defensive while I'm under occupation? And on the other hand, now everybody is is worried about Ukraine. Yes, true. But occupation anywhere in the world is really bad. So Mm. this is one thing that really hurts and it really pains me. As a writer and as a Palestinian to be always on the defensive and we always have to you know be nice and and put the other narrative and be careful when we write i don't want to be careful this is my life Mm. yeah i mean i found it very disappointing
2: i found myself disappointed in so many of these educators obviously Palestinian literature can be put in a context but Israel is also not the only context. You know, Palestinian literature relates to Arabic literature, and it can be put in this context. It can be put in the context of different indigenous literatures. It can be put in the co- many different contexts. But I in sort of curriculum after curriculum posted online, it was just presented in this one way.
0: Right. So um, I mean, they always feel that Palestinians mean political or Palestinian means anti-Israeli, or Palestinian means anti-whatever. Not necessarily. I mean, we can write literature, which is, in brackets, uh, normal. I mean, we can write adventures, and and we also can write about Palestine. Yeah.
2: yeah, absolutely. This is one of the things that I like about young adult literature. You know, we have um, literature with dragons, and, and djinn, and... And, um, you know, there's Tahrid's uh, mystery novel and, and all sorts of other kinds of, of, liter- of narratives in Palestine.
1: Sonia, I wanted to give you a final last word. I'm sorry that we, that we lost Marsha in the middle of, of her, her thought, but, but I, I, did, I did want to ask you a little bit about what your experience of publishing these texts in, in Palestine has been. I mean, what the, what the reception was of Thunderbird among Palestinian youth um, without all of these you know um, frustrating complicating um, politicizing questions that, that are happening in the, in the rest of the, the Western publishing world.
0: No actually in in Palestine, in parts of the Arab world that they <coughs> managed to read my books, <coughs> they found them interesting not on put politics apart, um, it is the whole world of, of these creatures and of these mythical creatures from mythical Arabic um, literature. Um, they loved it, actually. They loved the experience, especially girls, because somehow they felt that they were empowered by, by Noor and by, you know, hard determination um, to, to save the world. So in both um, in Palestine and in in some parts of the Arab world, actually, they received it very well. And I've been going to schools and uh, discussing the books with uh, kids. Um, Somehow, some of the boys um, asked why you don't have boys in the books. So I decided um, so they felt somehow um, being missed out. But um, in the third book, I, I decided to put a boy. Just to break the pattern, if you like, but still the heroine is is Noor, who's a girl, and in Palestine they really loved it.
1: I can imagine that to be true. I loved it <laughs> myself, but um, thank you both so much for this conversation. It's been lovely to talk to you both, and I'm excited now for the for the third book, um, and for the second one to be to be in hand it's it's now on on the way or when's the exact publishing date
2: for book two it should be on the way yes um fabulous
1: thank you both
0: Um, thank you meg bye bye